0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: Welcome back. Freddie Silva with us. Freddie, based on your research, were you able to ascertain what might have caused the historic flood?
0: Uh, It was definitely, and there seems to be some consensus on this, uh, definitely it was a disintegrating comet that hit the Earth. uh, The seven fragments, uh, according to many of the legends, there may be a few more as well, and uh, there's quite a few holes that have been found now in the Southern Hemisphere uh, on the ocean floor uh, that show that uh, the Earth definitely was hit by something uh, that came from somewhere. But again, uh, the part of the clue is also in the, our folklore, and I kind of came across it by accident uh, as to what the culprit might have been. Uh, I was in Peru at the time, uh, which, of course, is in the Southern Hemisphere, and uh, I just popped into a shop, and I came out about half an hour later, and there's people coming out of uh, all over the place there's a big sort of um celebration going on and um basically they were celebrating the uh, the day of the dead in the wrong time of the year uh, when they should have been celebrating it uh, in May, uh, which is what happened hmm. in the Southern Hemisphere, in the Northern Hemisphere. We celebrate the Day of the Dead, of course, in, uh, in November, but they were doing it in November as well, and it was a pre-Christian tradition. And I thought, well, this is a bit strange. And they said, well, we also have another Day of the Dead in May. And I'm thinking, well, how many days of the dead can you possibly have? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And, and I began to look at this uh, conundrum in the Southern Hemisphere, in Polynesia, in Fiji, um, and it kept coming up again and again and again. I'm thinking this is very weird because it happened way before the missionaries ever uh, changed the, uh, the rules in the, uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. And they said, well, we're commemorating the time when the people drowned during the great flood that swept over the world. They went, aha. Well, you put one-on-one together and you think, what could have possibly been happening in November that happens again and again and again? Because there's this fear of comets in South America and also in uh, other parts of the world, including India. And I figured, well, wait a minute, um, the only thing that I, I know that um, happens during November uh, is the torrid meteor shower. And uh, I found out that I wasn't the first person to have thought this as well. There was a, a writer whose name I can't remember from the uh, late 1800s who wrote a small paper for a, a Masonic institution. It was like a, a, a talk in London, I believe. And um, he basically had mentioned the same thing, that uh, there's this conundrum where people around the world, no matter where they are, which hemisphere, they celebrate at the time when our predecessors died in a global catastrophe. And that's when it kind of, uh, geology, uh, and, um, Folklore come together, and basically it was the the torrid meteor shower. Uh, and in fact, we mm. go through this uh, problem every November and every June because it basically does a big loop through the uh, the sky, and the Earth crosses this big path of debris, which is essentially the uh, broken up mass of a small planet that uh, uh, destroyed itself about thirty thousand years ago, according to uh, astronomical reports. And this is where we come back to the story of the Anu uh, and the the gods, because it was always claimed that these people not only had the control of the laws of nature, but they also had incredible powers of prophecy they could see into the future. And it happens in uh, the Hopi traditions, it happens in Polynesian traditions, and in Egyptian traditions, that uh, these people could see 300 years into the future. And they said, you know... We are going to be crossing this meteor stream again uh, 300 years from now, and this is the time when big chunks are going to be coming our way. And and in the meantime, uh, they were telling the watchers around them, the uh, the craftspeople, uh, you you need to basically get the renegade watchers under control, and especially their bastard offspring, the Nephilim, which, by the way, means Orion in uh, Aramaic. Uh, which is a clue as to uh, where these people are connected to. And they said, if you can't rein these people in, who are basically eating humans alive, they're teaching them warfare, they're teaching them all kinds of bad things that you shouldn't be teaching people, um, unless you can rein these people in, we're going to have to destroy the Earth, and we're going to use our given powers to basically divert some very large chunks of rock, Jeez. which are going to be floating through anyway. So
1: they sent them our way.
0: They basically were able to use their power, their will, to basically make sure that uh, the chunks would hit the southern hemisphere in all the deepest parts of the ocean to generate a massive flood. And I was reading the original texts on this, and uh, it, it was a terrible, bittersweet moment. They were totally uh, ashamed of what they'd done, but they said, you know, we had no choice, because if we hadn't done this, um, the giants would have taken over. They would have destroyed humanity. And today, we would have been on, on the planet with humans, but we'd have had a planet of very tall giants with red hair all over their body, which incredibly are still described in uh, the Solomon Islands. They say that the local people still say that those people are still living in the mountains. Uh, they're alive today. They're about they're about eighteen feet tall. And I remember one story by a U.S. Um, um, group of uh, soldiers that were stationed there, that they said, you know what, we used to sleep with a revolver under our pillow, not to because we're afraid of the Japanese attacking us, but because we're afraid of being attacked by the really tall, red-haired, giant people that live up in the mountains. That's fascinating. Not that they ever cause any that. trouble, but when you see them, they are quite unnerving. I, uh, I so, bet. <laughs> yeah, and they were kept, uh, their bodies also washed up in the shores of New Zealand, as much as the, uh, up to the 1950s, and the Maori also, we're talking about the redhead giants that lived in the uh, in hills called the Hill of the Redhead Giants in the, the Northern Island of New Zealand as far as the 19th century. And all of those documents are now sealed by government order. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I begin to realize that there's more to this story than meets the eye.
1: What's amazing to me, now. though, Freddie, is, again, how the Bible echoes a lot of the things that you've uncovered or backed up. I mean, they they had it pretty accurate, didn't they?
0: They had it fairly accurate. The problem began when the uh, church and also when the, um, uh, the Jewish people began to stake out their spiritual plane, and they began to make the Anunnaki look like the bad people, the fallen gods, the angels mm-hmm. that earth, and the bad people, and the satanic people. That's the impression we're left with. And that diverges totally. From the original Mesopotamian story, and the Mesopotamian story is where the Babylonians uh, took their information from, and it was from the Babylonians that the Hebrews, and I claim, based on the Babylonian uh, tradition, the Hebrews stole their stories and put a, a, a political, religious twist to assert their superiority over the clans over that region in that era. So you got to you got to look at the story in context of the time when it, when the Bible was being assembled to give superiority to a new group of people. But then again, the Babylonians have done the same thing to the Sumerian version of the flood anyway. So It's a bit of, in the case of the pot calling the kettle black, but uh, we are left with that impression. But if you go away from the Christian tradition back into the Pacific and into the traditions of South America and even the Native American Southwest, the story is much, much different. The gods were always there to assist people. They were always helpful. In fact, it was because of them that we even have today's Hopi uh, Tradition alive because they describe the uh, the people that helped them survive the flood from a sinking island somewhere in the Pacific called the Lookers. And when I was talking to Clifford Mahuti about this, he said, "Well, you know these people very well because you come across them in your research again and again. Uh, they were involved with the original crop circle phenomenon." And I said, "You are you talking about the Watchers?" And I said, "Yeah, that's what we call the Watchers. We call them the Lookers. They're the ones that helped us." come to uh, the southwest of America from a sunken land in the middle of the Pacific, somewhere in the region of today's Samoa. And in fact, the, the names for serpents uh, in the Hopi language and also in the Samoan traditions are one and the same. So there is that huh. suggestion that somewhere in Samoa, there was part of their original homeland as well.
1: Where does Noah fit in with all of this? Was, was he a real person?
0: Oh, absolutely, but that probably wasn't his real name. Uh, It's a bit like Enoch. Uh, That wasn't his real name either. Uh, The names were changed to suit, again, the uh, Jewish Hebrew tradition that were trying to create this new image for themselves. Uh, But Noah essentially was one of um, uh, the—he was the grandson of Enoch, I believe— Um, And he also looked very, very unusual. Uh, He was a bit different from ordinary humans. So if you go back Uh to his great-grandfather, who was uh, Enoch, or his real name was uh, Ahmed Owanu, he was actually one of the children of the Anunnaki. He was a scribe. And uh, he was being told by the Lord Anu to prepare his great-grandson for the Great Flood, which would be arriving in 200 years from now.
1: Because they knew they were going to direct a part of the comet.
0: Exactly. And that story also appears in the Egyptian traditions as well. Uh, the, the original gods, the followers of Horus, who, whose nickname was the Shining Ones, which is the nickname of the Anunnaki and the Watchers, um, were being told, yes, there are large fragments coming this way. We need to build... Uh, some repositories which are going to withstand big waves. And, and that's where the pharaohs said, um, can we get the astronomers in here, including Toph, or his real name was Jehuti, uh get the Ibis headed God in here? We need to build some large buildings to put all the information so the survivors can pick up where we left off. And that's where they began to build pyramids. And that's actually in the ancient Egypt- Egyptian texts.
1: This is fascinating. It is now, where does... God fit into the picture here because, you know, we were raised all along as we were kids that, you know, God instructed Noah to build the ark, that he did this, that he did that. Uh, Even though I believe in a divine creator, it makes you wonder what the relationship of God was during those days.
0: Well, that's where uh, the late Lawrence Gardner comes in very handy because he had some wonderful access to information that we don't have. Uh, He had access to libraries where there are books that uh, museums would like to get their hands on. So, of course, he he has to be very careful about, or he had to be careful about his sources. And I had a chance to talk about uh, this with him a few years ago when he was still alive. And uh, he made a very good point that originally, if you read uh, the Genesis story as it is today, he said "The originally uh, it wasn't a god, there were gods. Plural, But as the um, Hebrew people and the Jewish people began to basically create their own image for themselves, they began to put the focus on one God, Yehovah or Yahweh, which turns out to have been the Bedouin God of war which, if you're going to start your religion based on the god of war, it's not going to end well. But if you look carefully at the original uh, story of the, uh, of the flood and before the flood, it talks about gods, plural, and that's where we get confused in the Christian tradition. So the gods that they, were, that they were talking about were the lords of Anu, who are also called the Vedakoshes in South America. Uh, all of these people basically are all the same group of people. They just go by different names. We just had no idea because all the names are in uh, different parts of the world, uh, but they call them by different things. It's only when you travel as much as I do and ask the local people what they're talking about. And what they mean is saying, well, those actually aren't the real names. They were actually titles of office. And once you look at the titles of office, the titles overlap, and that's when you realize this is a global brotherhood that they had here. So originally there was gods. There wasn't just a god. And I agree, there is a creator god that's out there somewhere, and probably inside us as well. But what they were actually describing in the Bible originally was the group of gods called the Anunnaki, that then get demonized in order to, well, in order for political reasons.
1: Is that why the Greeks always had their series of gods as well?
0: Well, that's where it gets a bit more confusing, that as soon as we start getting to the historical era, we have to now look at where the Greeks were getting their information from. And uh, they were spending a lot of time in Egypt, uh, I'd say about 3,500 years ago now. And uh, by this time, Egypt has already faded quite a lot, so the priests know that their time is up. They're going to start giving the information to the Greeks. Now the Greeks are having a hard time trying to translate from Egyptian into Greek and also to spin the story in a way that they can sell to the Greeks, because obviously cultural differences come into play here. And they began to actually mythologize the gods in order to attract the attention of their population. So in order to understand what the Greek gods were up to, you have to understand the basis from where the stories come from, and that's the Egyptian gods. And then it makes a lot of sense, because by the time you get the Romans taking what the Greeks had said, now you've got a complete mess. Nothing makes any mm. sense, because you're so divorced from the original texts that now everything is mythologized. But the original story, the Egyptian story, they said, no, it wasn't a myth. These people were real physical beings. And in the uh, Turin papyrus, they can actually date all the lineage of these physical people going back to 36,000 BC. Wow. Exactly. Uh, And that gets a little problematic for archaeologists. But to the Egyptians, they said, no, these people used to live a long period of time. Uh, One of the original gods, which is Ra, not just the god of the sun, but a god, uh, a physical person. He lived for over 800 years, and the Sumerians also had enormous timelines of, when they said, yeah, people are, back then were living enormous time spans. Uh, we can track our lineage to, back to over 140,000 years. They didn't even blink when they talked about this. So when you start looking at the original seals upon which all of these timelines are written, you begin to realize that the story of humanity is far, far older than we've been told.